I am really looking forward to today. Uh, the thing that I am looking forward to is the next few moments we have this morning to look at uh, continuing the conversation that we've been having for the last uh, the last two weeks and this week about worship. And in the previous two weeks, we talked uh, two weeks ago about praise. And we said that that is understanding who God is. And then um, last week, we talked about worship. I was in the red box. Dave was here. We're flipping back and forth. And worship is our response to who God is, right? Um, and so uh, it's it's... I've, this has been a great series for me. I've loved it. It's just been a great opportunity uh, for me to be involved in, in teaching on this. And this week we're going to be looking at corporate worship. And what's been interesting is I uh, uh, have talked to a few of my friends. And um, uh, I told them, they said, hey, so what are you talking on this week? I said, well, we're talking about corporate worship. And they're like, well, I kind of, weren't we, didn't we already talk about that? Isn't that what we've been talking about? And... Uh, you know, on the surface, maybe you may think that, but as I began to study this week, it's been pretty cool because, no, it's not the same at all. It's very, very different. And uh, just even understanding, uh, for me, worship, worship is not about singing songs. Worship is our whole life. Romans 12, we talked about last week, giving our whole life to something. That's what is worship. But before we get into uh, corporate worship, and that word, when I say corporate worship, that's just a fancy pants way of saying worshiping together, Right? That just means we come together in a place and we worship. And, um, but corporate worship... Oh, before I do this, I, I just want to give you another challenge, and that's this. Uh, two weeks ago, if you were here, I challenged you guys with some stuff. One is to just try and develop habits of praise. And my wife and I are doing that. We're trying to find areas in our kids' lives where we can just praise and, and just... I'm, but for real, not just make stuff up. Oh, good, you didn't, you know, stab your brother with a knife, you know. Not that kind of praise. It's not really praise. It's stuff like, hey, um, you know, you, you're doing good at this. Really developing those habits. And, and uh, it's, it's really good practice to get into. And it leads into, because I don't believe you can live your life one way and live your spiritual life another way. And so my encouragement and my challenge was for you guys to start developing praise uh, habits in life, but also in your prayer life. And I don't know, did anyone, if you were here, I said, hey, how about trying this? And it's, I call it the ACTS prayer model, A-C-T-S. Adore first, confess, thanks, and then supplication is asking. Anyone do that? Fantastic. And uh, for me, my wife and I, Susie, we, we've started this with our whole family, and it's really good. Because, and what's cool about this is because when you adore or you proclaim who God is before you do anything else, you start to understand the magnitude of the person you're asking for confession or thanking or whatever. And it really changes uh, your prayer life. It has for us already. And we're working that with our kids. And, and you realize the other thing is you realize what you believe about God when you do that first. So I just want to throw that out again. 21 days will make that a habit in your life. Anything you do for 21 days. So I just want to encourage you with that. But so anyway, we're talking about corporate worship. And the first thing I want to do is just help us understand. When, when I say worship, what's the first? We're going to worship. What are we going to do? Sing. Sing. Right. Well, we might if we're going to worship. See, but worship is more than that. And you find in Scripture, and if you want to check me on this, you can come up. I'll give you the scripture references for this later. But there are actually six things that we do when we corporately worship. Six different things. The first is preaching. I'm doing that right now. Uh, the second thing is sacraments, uh, which is like communion or baptism, things like that. Holy events. The third uh, is prayer. Uh, and again, doing it 
corporately or as a group. Uh, scripture reading is the fourth. Financial giving is the fifth. And then the sixth thing is singing. So when we talk about worship, we may be talking about singing. We may be talking about a, a few other things. And even in, when it comes to corporate worship, we do these things together. And so the next question is, so why is it important that, that we actually do these things together? You know, I, I said this before, it's not just singing. And you, you should know this, that singing will never produce worship. Did you know that? Now, worship may produce singing because worship is the response. What comes out is a result of what we're thinking. So I could sing about a lot of things. That's only expressing what I'm worshiping. But the singing doesn't produce it. Worship produces the singing. Now, so why do we worship together? And part of what I want to talk about, this microphone is killing me. I'm so sorry. There. Um, so um, I want to, we're going to talk about corporate worship and we are going to put a little bit of additional emphasis because we wanted to talk about why we do these things together. And I want to look at actually why, why it is important that we do sing together. And I want you to know this too. We have a very diverse uh, group of people who attend K2. And I know that not all of us here this morning are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Some of us are in the journey we're exploring, and I want you to hear, hear me say this, that if that's you, great. We're so glad you're here. You need to understand that um, my, what I'm going to talk about today is going to be primarily focused on those who are followers of Christ, but I don't want you to check out because I believe as you explore uh, what it means to become a follower of Christ, understanding what worship is is going to be paramount in your journey. So this is for everyone, Okay. And what I want to do is we're going to frame uh, this discussion out of a passage that we find in Colossians chapter 3. It's chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. So if you want to look at that, if you have your Bible, pull your Bible out. Or if you have your Bible on your phone, you can uh, look there. Or we'll have it up on the screens as well. But read this with me if you would. And it's Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're going to look at what corporate worship is, why it's important, and we're going to frame it out of this uh, passage in, in Colossians chapter 3. And I want, there are three things that are the reasons that we corporately or worship together. And the first is this, because we are a body. You know, I don't, I don't want to be, I mean, the language that's used in here is really, it's not accidental. It's picked on purpose. We are a body. So what does that mean? Well, see, my arm can't live in a different place than the rest of me, or it's not part of my body, Right? A body means it's connected. And so when we talk about corporately worshiping, coming together, it's because to be part of the body, we have to be together. I can't be part of the body if I'm, just, if I'm never connecting with anyone else. The second thing you understand is that we're called to, at the end of the verse, it says we're called to peace. Well, that's pretty clear language because if I don't ever connect with anyone, am I going to have difficulty having peace with people? <laughs> well, unless I just don't get along with myself. But... To have peace, the, the implication is that I am, see, when, when I connect with other people in life and we don't agree on everything, there's a chance for conflict to arise. 
And so the necessity for me is to work to peace. I'm part of the body and I need to work together to peace. And so we're called to do it. But the second thing, you know, like you said, last two weeks we talked about praise and worship. Praise, which, which is uh, me giving adulation to this God, my relationship with understanding who God is. And then we talked about worship, which is my response to that knowledge. I know that, and so therefore I do this. This week is different because uh, it, corporate worship is partially about my relationship and connection with God. That happens, and it's very important. But it's also more largely focused on my contribution and role to the body of Christ. I don't know if you knew that. But we worship together because I have something to give. We cannot, just so you know this, we cannot reach the whole measure of fullness of Christ on our own. You just can't. You cannot become who, all of who you're supposed to be in Christ if you're not connected to the body. And so it's important that we do. Look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Picking up with verse 11, it says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 16, from him... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each of us does its part. The first thing I want you to notice is if we're part of the body and corporately gathering together and worshiping is about me helping others, the very first part he starts off and he says, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, what are those? Why does he name those? Well, the reason he names those is because those are, those are what we call spiritual gifts. And that's a short list. It's not a complete list. And every single person, every one of you in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. You may not know what it is, but you have one. And a spiritual gift is a special gifting that you have for the good and betterment of the body of Christ. And he even says this. He says, I've given these people. Why? I've given them to equip the people for his service. See, you have a spiritual gift, and it's essential that you come together as the body of Christ because you're supposed to be helping equip others. How often do you think about that? How often do you go, you know, I got the spiritual gift, and I didn't get to church because it's really important. It's, you know, probably not that often, huh? Probably at least not as often as we should. The second part, and it says this, what I just said at the very last uh, verse 16, it says, from, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. How? As each part does its work. Implication, if we're not all doing our work, we don't reach the full measure of the wholeness of Christ. See, we are part of the body and we have an obligation to be helping each other reach that potential. And when we don't do our part, the rest of the body suffers. Ephesians chapter 3, there's an interesting verse as well. Verses 17, start there, it says this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
How do we reach that measure to get together? That's how we reach it. That together we can reach it. Alone I can't reach the fullness. Together we can. And that's why it's important that we get together. Because we're a member of the body. Second thing I want to talk to you about is this. Not only we remember the body, but we build each other up. And I sort of alluded to this a little bit. It says that in Ephesians 4, so that the body of Christ may be built up. But look at this verse in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms with gratitude in your hearts to God. The first thing I want you to understand, we spent two weeks on this, the previous two weeks talking about our personal interaction of praise and worship, how we connect with God and how we respond in praising him and how we, it's, it's essential. And you need to understand this, that if you are not spending time outside of Sunday connecting with God in worship, which is prayer, Bible reading, being, spending time in his work, if you're not spending time outside of Sundays, you're not really going to put yourself in a good place to be part of helping build others up because your tank's going to be empty. It is essential that we are spending time doing that so that we can teach, and as it says here in this verse, so that we can teach and admonish one another. And we have, you know, we, there are all kinds of opportunities here at K2, on, just on Sundays, if you want to use, you know, spiritual gifts it talked about, but there are so many opportunities for you to use your gifts to help the body grow. You can serve in Adventure Canyon or all kinds. I'm not even going go down the list. If you're interested, fill out the card and we'll get you connected. But you just need to understand that there are all kinds of opportunities and you have all kinds of gifts and that's how it's supposed to work. Where it gets interesting for me is is where he says, we're going to teach and admonish. And then the next thing he says, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms with gratitude in your hearts to God. So teach and admonish and sing songs. Well, why is it so important that we sing songs? Let's look at the corporate aspect of actually singing. Have you ever thought about that? Anyone, you guys ever go, I wonder why we sing together at church. Well, it's a lot of things. I want to, I want to tell you that, that um, singing together is one of the most powerful things we can do as humans. My wife sitting down here, she's an amazing teacher. She's uh, not teaching currently, but she taught for a lot of years. I don't know how many, I, but I can't remember. But anyway, uh, she taught first grade for a few years, first grade, and she taught her whole first grade class. How many of you know the 50 states? All 50, you could recite them. Maybe a third to a half. My wife taught a whole class of first graders to all 50 states. And you know how she did it? Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, something else, something else. I don't know the rest of it because I wasn't in her class, but her whole class could. First graders, see the power of music. There's reciting and you, it, it, something about music transcends just mere words. Also, here's one for me. I learned that, okay. You guys remember um, Schoolhouse Rock? If you're... If, Conjunction yeah. <laughs> junction. That was grammar rock, I think. What's your function? Yeah. Um, but schoolhouse rock. So I learned the preamble 
It's the Constitution. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and ensure the blessings of our liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Learned it when I was eight years old through music on Saturday mornings between cartoons. See, why do we sing together? Because it teaches and admonishes. It's amazing. And I sat down, I started making a list. Why do we say the national anthem? We pledge our devotion. I made a short list, it's actually not that short, of reasons and benefits of singing together corporately. And I'm talking about praising and worshiping God here right now, like praise and worship tunes of reasons why we do this. First of all, we declare beliefs. When you sing a song about God, you are declaring something you believe to be true about him. We teach theology. Did you know that? You can't, you can't say that Christ forgave our sins by his death on the cross in a song. That's theology. I don't know if you know that. That's some pretty good theology right there. And when we sing that stuff, we declare that theology. We teach it. We celebrate the greatness and remember the things he's done for us. We seek forgiveness. Give us clean hands. Give us a pure heart. It's the song we're going to be doing today. It refreshes our hearts. How many of you have ever had the experience where you come in, you're like, oh, man, and then you, all of a sudden worship happens and you really go, oh, I just need to dive into this, and you dive into this, and you feel like your soul is refreshed. You ever had that experience? Yes. See, it refreshes our soul to sing. It connects our affections and our emotions to the objects of our worship. Whatever we're worshiping, that's what we sing about. Bears testimony. I don't know if you know this. Again, we, like we said, many people even here, not fully voted followers of Jesus Christ, and when they look at us and they see us worshiping, we bear testimony to what we believe publicly so people can look at us and go, that's what they believe. Cool. It unites our hearts. We sing together. You go to, you, go to, you know, David Archuleta concert and we get our, we're all singing along. We're, we're one with David, right? <laughs> that's what happens. We unite. We, I don't like David Archuleta that much, but <laughs> in case you're... <laughs> no, not true. Anyway, uh, it, we invite... Check, you know the passage where two or three are gathered in his presence? Where two or three are gathered together? He's with us. Check this out. What about where two or three hundred are gathered together? See, the implication of us coming together and inviting God into the presence means the, that the Holy Spirit, in a larger sense, moves... Have you ever been in a worship service... Here at K2, let's just say, where you could honestly say, you know what? I feel like as we're singing, I just felt like the Spirit was with me. <laughs> Almost like I could reach out and grab it. Yeah, that's called the Holy Spirit. And that happens when we unite our hearts together. We share our values together. We experience God with our family members because we're part of a body strengthens those around me. Let me ask you this. I talked about in the Red Building, we were talking about letting our bodies fully engage, raising our hands. And I don't know if Dave talked about this last week, but have you ever had that experience where you're not sure if you want to lift your hands and you get so in your own head? How about this? Did you ever stop when you're having that struggle? Should I raise my hands or not? Did you stop and go, well, I wonder if I, maybe if I raise my hands, this might actually help my brother or sister in Christ to engage the moment? Or do we just think about how it affects me? See, worshiping together actually helps us strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And sometimes I can look at them and and I see them worshiping and that may be exactly what I need because I'm not really feeling it right then. And to see someone else worshiping God all on, I go, oh man, that's it. I need that. Thank you. And I'm in. Reminds me that I'm part of something bigger than me. There's a bunch of us doing this and I'm not alone. And sometimes it's just a setup for my week to come as I fill my heart with what God has for me. Sometimes it's a response to the week I just had to say, God, thank you. See, music is a very, very powerful thing. And I want to tell you, you look at Hebrews. Hebrews, there's a passage in, in chapter 10, uh, verse 24 and 25, and it says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. See, again, we're supposed to spur one another on or teach and admonish or help them grow. And we can't do it. He says, let us not give up meeting together. See, and here's what happens. How many, you know, so often what we do, we make a decision on whether, I don't really feel like going to church today. I had a rough week. I'm just going to stay home. Watch football, whatever I'm going to do. I'm, I, I just, and we have people like some of you come. You know, every time the doors are open, you're here, and some of you come once in a while. But I just want to, I want to challenge your perspective on this. See, we come based on what we want, what we need, what's our desire. And again, if we are supposed to gather together for the betterment of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Shouldn't we actually be thinking more like, you know what? I need to get to church because someone might need me. <laughs> When's the last time you asked yourself that? When you're going, I don't know if I'm going to stay home or go to church. I feel like, I don't know, football, church. See, it's the wrong perspective. The perspective needs to be, I need to get there because first I'm told to. Why? Because I'm supposed to help my brother and sister in Christ because I'm part of the body and if I don't connect to the body I don't help them grow and I actually cannot be the fullness of who God calls me to be even on my own. So you need to understand that the purpose of meeting together is always, always, always connected to our role and contribution to the body of Christ not just having my moment. And we, oftentimes we do this. We get together on Sunday and we have our own personal private moments of worship corporately. <laughs> you know? And there's actually, and there's, you need to have your personal private moments with you. You need to connect with Jesus. It's great. But we need to also understand that we are called to help the body grow. The third thing that I want to share with you is this. That not only are we part of the body, not only do we need to encourage and help each other grow, but the third thing is this. We have one purpose when we come together. Look at uh, verse 17 of that Colossians 3 passage. We'll go back to that. It says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, we just talked about, don't do this for yourself. Don't do this unto yourself. Do this for God. See, when I start thinking about my decisions and how they affect the rest of the body of Christ and what I'm doing based on what God desires, it's a whole lot different than what I desire most of the time. And my perspective becomes about me helping others and being in the community. You ever, how many, let me ask you this. Imagine a community where every single person's ultimate goal was to get something from someone else. 
sounds like a board game of some sorts, I think. How many of you would want to be part of that community, right? No one. How about a community where everyone was constantly thinking about what everyone was trying to do for everyone else? Who'd want to be part of that? Everyone would. See, that's what we're being told to do here. We're supposed to be about others. This goes back to Romans 12, 1 last week. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual service of worship. Your life is your worship, songs you sing. Our purpose when we unite is for us all to grow into the fullness of who Christ calls us to be. We can't do it on our own. I can't do it on my own, and you can't do it if I'm not involved. I want to look at one more passage here. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says this, if, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. See, again, this is what he's saying. We have one purpose, and that purpose is not to do anything out of selfish motivation, but for the good of everyone else. That's what being a part of the body of Christ is. And when we all do that, we unite, and we reach the fullness of who God calls us to be. Rewind down this morning. I just want to... I want to share with you, just real honestly... Let's shift gears here, and I kind of want to look at this from a different perspective, too. Because we all struggle with this stuff, right? Let's just be honest, right? No, no, I'm not. I struggle with this. When I'm saying these things to you, I'm saying these things because these are things I struggle with, too. Right? I'm not holier because I'm three and a half feet higher than you right now, right? This is stuff I struggle with. And, and the reality is, if you remember that video at the beginning, it says, is your worship humdrum and boring? Finding it hard to connect? Well, the answer to that question is yes, sometimes I do. And so I began to think, well, why is it? Why is music, worshiping, praying, Bible reading, why is all that stuff, corporate worship, why is sometimes, why is it just humdrum? Well, I think that we put obstacles in our way. We have obstacles that we face. And I'm going to list a few. You may have a few of your own that you can include in this list. But the first is this. Sometimes I have a hard time worshiping. You know why? Because I just can't get over myself. I'm just way too important. And I come into this place, and it's about me. And I don't leave myself at the door. And I don't get off of myself. I'm all in my own mind. I'm worried I'm consumed with myself. It's going to let you know if that's where you are, you're not worshiping God unless you think you are God. <laughs> Many of us do, sometimes. Second thing is this, just life. Driving into church and all of a sudden you say something or your wife says something and boom, right? <laughs> you enter into this place and you're going to just worship God and you and your wife are sitting next to each other uh, with invisible guns pointed at each other, right? You're so angry at each other and or, or whatever, maybe, maybe, maybe you're having a tough time financially and you can't make the bills and you're stressed out. Or Life 
comes at us. And sometimes, because of the obstacles of life, we have a hard time connecting in worship to God. Here's one. Maybe it's because there's sin in our life. If our whole life, Romans 12, is supposed to be a living sacrifice, and that's our week to week, Sunday to Sunday, not Sunday and Sunday, but all the days in between, if that's what's supposed to be our worship, and we're allowing sin to persist in our life, we are foolish to believe that we can show up on Sunday and offer worship to God that he's going to think is acceptable. And it's going to be hard for us to connect as well. You can't do it when you allow sin to stay in your life. You just can't. Because you need to understand that when we worship, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual endeavor. It's not a physical endeavor, primarily. It is physical, but it's primarily a spiritual battle. So if two or three of us, two or three hundred of us, two or three thousand of us gather in a place together and God's presence meets us in that moment and you can feel it in a palpable sense when we receive power and forgiveness and blessing and courage and all the things that come with God's presence meeting us, do you think for one second that Satan is going, no big deal, that's cool. Let them have their moment and get all fired up and go change the world. No. No. See, it's a spiritual battle, and Satan is going to do everything he can to come against it and distract it. It's so funny. We're talking about the distractions, and then the last service, we had some problems. It's like, well, no wonder. We're talking about this stuff. See, it's a spiritual battle, and we have to engage worship on a spiritual level, not a mental, emotional level only. And the last thing is, sometimes we don't prepare for worship. You know, I, when I was, uh, so I'm studying for this stuff, and I'm like, well, I wonder what the, you know, I wanted to look back and kind of track the Israelites, uh, the Old Testament, and how they, how they uh, had corporate worship times. It's very interesting. In the red box I shared this, I don't think Dave did last week, but do you know the creation of the world is it's one chapter, it's explained in 31 verses, right? There are 243 verses, seven chapters used to describe how worship is to take place in the nation of Israel. Creation of the world, 31. Worship, 243 verses. When you have that perspective, you can start to understand that it's a pretty big deal to God. The order that he put into it. And so I started looking. I'm not going to read all these to you. I just will tell you Exodus chapter 19 is one example where uh, they're expecting, they, they realize that they're going to receive a visit from God's presence and they spend three days preparing to worship him. Three days. And then in Joshua chapter 7, there's sin. They just fought a battle and they won this battle and they're praising and worshiping God and it shuts down and they go, well, what's going on? There's sin. Someone's got sin here. And they have to get themselves clean so that they continue in worshiping God. And then in Numbers chapter 8 is a special uh, section where, where we look at the holy, the leaders of worship in the, in the tribe of Israel or the camp of Israel, the leaders of the Levites. And what they do is they take the Levites and they, they ceremonial, ceremonially uh, uh, prepare them, ritualistically clean, cleanse them and set them apart. It's called uh, sanctifying them. And they, they set them apart to be these holy leaders and they sprinkle water on them and they, and they uh, wash them so that they're pure to lead the people. There's so much that goes into understanding how important it is that we actually come to worship to bring something. 
You see, in, uh, even in Hebrews 10, 22, we see, you can go, well, you know, that's Old Testament, that's what they did, we don't do that anymore, but let, let me show you something in Hebrews 10, chapter 22. It seems pretty akin to the Numbers 8 passage. It says this, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, what he's saying here is that we too, like the Levites and like the Old Testament Israelites, when we come to bring an offering of worship to God, we need to do it from a place of being clean, our hearts being pure before him. See, same is true of us today as it was for them. We're supposed to prepare our hearts to worship. Worshiping God, let me just tell you this, worshiping God is not about singing songs, and especially not about just singing songs if what we're singing isn't even true of our lives. Singing songs is just what comes out as a result of what we're worshiping. We need to prepare our hearts so that we can help others connect with God. See, in the Israelite back in the day, they were, it was all about them coming and bringing something to worship with. They prepared themselves so that they could be ready to worship God as a community. So I lead worship here, you know, sometimes. And when I lead worship, I spend all this time. I prepare, I learn the songs, and I pray. And I go, God, what do you want me to say? How should I, what, how does this flow? And how can we help people engage with you? But here's a question that struck me this week that I didn't really like. It was this. Well, Mike, how do you prepare when you're not leading worship? I didn't like it because the answer is, well, I don't really. See, what I do is I come and I'm like, man, I hope the worship team brings it today because I need it. <laughs> right? <laughs> the Brad Nations, he's playing the band. He says to me last service, he goes, he leans over, joking, leans, leans forward. He goes, dude, you better bring it because uh, don't make me clean up your mess afterwards. <laughs> See, but that's how we approach this stuff. And so often we show up on Sundays and we walk in. We haven't had a single thought since maybe the prior Sunday before when we had that holy good feeling, you know. We go on with the rest of our life and we come back on the following Sunday. Haven't thought about it once and we're thinking, oh, it's that worship leader. Oh, that song. Oh, that version of that song. Oh, Etc., etc., etc. See, because what we're not worshiping is the God that we're singing about. We start to get our, we're not prepared to bring anything. We're just hoping to be a sponge. We're back to that community where everyone's trying to get something from everyone, right? We're not bringing anything. Here's what I want to challenge you with in closing. Let me ask you that same question. As you were coming here today, did you even once think about preparing to bring worship to God? See, what happens is we leave church and we go like this, man, I don't know, worship wasn't really doing it for me today, right? I don't know, it's not really... Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you left a Sunday service and thought to yourself, man, God, how did you like my worship? (laughs) 
See, there's all kinds of things we can do to prepare. How about this? Get here a few minutes early and sit down and just contemplate, pray, ask God to speak to you. Think about, God, who needs me today? What can I do? I need to get there because so, someone's going to need me. What can I do? How about this? It's a passage in Matthew 10. It says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave the gift there in the front of the altar and go be reconciled with your brother. Then come offer your gift. See, what we do is we go like, man, I got all this stuff in my life. I'm not, I got, if I just sing these worship songs, everything will be better and God will be pleased with me. No. If worship is about our whole life, what happens in the moment when I recognize there's sin in my life, I can't continue to worship. I have to get, get clean. I might need to reconcile with someone. I might need to just confess something that's keeping me from actually truly worshiping God. Think about the things we're saying. You know, Susie said, my wife says, she says this to me. She says, Mike, just what, what is it you think God wants you to say? What, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to figure it all out, make sure it flows right and everything. She says, well, what is it you think God wants you to tell people about corporate worship? So I wrote this down, went down, and I kind of wrote it down. And this is how I'll summarize it. And I'll just say this band, you guys can come on. As Julie and Emily are going to lead us in a time of musical worship here. Here's what I want you to know, what I believe God wants you to know. That worship together is not about me coming into church so that I can have my moment, but so that I can help others have their moment. The best way is to be in a personal place where I can completely be prepared to offer complete, acceptable worship to God. Each week when you come, I want you guys to think to yourself, have I prepared myself to bring worship to God? Am I ready to do this? Again, Julie and Emily are going to lead us here as we close out in, in offering our you know, sung sacrifices and our sung worship to him. Will you just pray with me as we close? You are an amazing God who knows us more, better than we know ourselves. You believe uh, we are capable of more than we even believe we're capable of. You love us deeper than we love ourselves or we're able to love others. You forgive us when we fail. You saved us. You are our God. And we confess to you this, this morning, we confess to you that we have not lived pure and holy lives. We've allowed sin to linger when it shouldn't be. And then we come on Sundays or during our week, we forget about you and we don't come prepared to bring you anything. We ask you to forgive us for that. And we just pray that in this moment you would meet with us and lead us, Lord Jesus. Oh. Help us really engage in worship and understand what it is. The words that we're singing, maybe, maybe they be true of our lives. Because your love is better than, my, than life, and my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. We ask this in Jesus' name.